I'm Dr. John Berkey. This is Forward to the Future, Conversations in Superintendent Leadership. This is Season 2, which features insightful interviews on leadership with the retiring superintendents in the Large Unit District Association in Illinois. It's an opportunity to learn from educational leaders as they look back on their careers. Well, I would like to welcome everyone today to Forward to the Future, Conversations in Superintendent Leadership. And today we are continuing our series of retiring LUTA superintendents in Illinois and would like to welcome Doug Wood, who has been the superintendent of the Ball Chatham School District for seven years. And for those of you that don't know, Ball Chatham is right outside of Springfield, Illinois. So Doug, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate uh, you inviting me and having the opportunity to talk for a while. Well, it's great to have you today. And uh, let's start off with uh, learning a little bit about your background and what ended up leading you into education and ultimately to being a superintendent. I knew you. I know you uh, actually grew up in Southern California, so you're one of those people. Uh, usually, people go the other direction, but you grew up in Southern California and ended up in Illinois. So, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up uh, in this in this position. Yeah, no, I no, thank you. I uh, I moved here for the weather, and uh, <laughs> no, not, not true. I, um, you know what, I was very fortunate in my early years to have great experience. Uh, uh, in regards to my education. I, I grew up in Los Angeles, went to Gardena High School, and um, in my elementary and, and junior junior high years, my formative years, just had some really good mentors and experiences in my life, and uh, both in the classroom and with athletics. And so it was a good balance of uh, having an excellent education, but also having exposure to, to other forms of leadership, particularly in the area of sports. And, uh, you know, I think those early formative years helped uh, direct me towards education. I always knew that I loved school. Uh, again, I had great experiences. So I thought much like those who had, had such a positive influence in my life, I could impart many of those experiences for, for students that I could teach and lead. And so uh, when I came to Illinois, I went to Illinois State University, which of course is a, a teacher and education school. Uh, met my wife there and she was in the education program as well. And uh, again, I was there on an athletic scholarship. I, I played football at Illinois State and and uh, a, lot of, a lot of those experiences just simply prepared me uh, to be an educator. And uh, I began my, my early career in, in Frankfurt, uh, south suburb of Chicago, and was a teacher and a coach. And uh, again, had some great experiences there. And, and then I was uh, introduced to administration early on. You know, I think all of us who are in leadership roles, um, have those who see those qualities in us early in our careers and uh, try to mentor us towards those leadership type experiences. And so I, I was on the fast track after six years of teaching, I became an assistant principal and an athletic director that of course uh, went into the principalship 
when I was a principal, I was first at Parkside Junior High School in Unit 5, uh, McLean County, and then uh, was up north a little for a few years at the Gower School District, and then came to O'Fallon, and I was in O'Fallon for 10 years, and uh, uh, that was a tremendous experience for me. I got to actually develop a 21st century whole child school, had a lot of great experiences there, and then uh, gravitated towards the superintendency of which uh, I'm in my eighth year, uh, seventh year in Ball Chatham. And uh, so that's a little bit of a roadmap to, to how I eventually got to where I'm at. So great. So one of the, one of the things we're doing in this uh, uh, called the retirement series, we are asking our retiring superintendents to impart leadership lessons on, on for others um, so we can all learn from your experience. And I know you're going to talk about, I think, three guiding principles that uh, really define your leadership. So you want to go, go through those for us? Yeah, I'd love to. I, you know, Early on in my experience, uh, I think we all read a lot about leadership and, and the importance of, of um, you know, having set principles and, and a foundation that guides us in our decision making. And so early on, I, I developed three guiding principles that in my book have always been non-negotiable. And, you know, the first one is what you do and say, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, whether it has to do with, with the school or individual students, uh, programs or curriculum, it, it has to begin or end with it's best for kids. You know, we're in the kid business, we're not in the adult business. And so it's very important that uh, it begins or ends with it's best for kids. If it doesn't, then you have to adjust your sales or change direction. It simply has to happen. Uh, the other is respect is a must. It's non-negotiable, and that's both to give and receive. Uh, I've always found that, uh, you know, when you're respectful to those around you, you often receive that respect in kind. And uh, even in circumstances where you don't, it never is going to change the way in which I treat people. So respect is non-negotiable. And I think the most important is to work from the assumption of good. And, and people's I often say, you know, could you explain that a little bit further? Uh, you know, when I do that, it's, it's a matter of, you know, we're in a business to where not everyone is going to agree with what we do and say. Uh, sometimes we're challenged with that. But I've always found, whether working with, with parents or students or staff members, that we always have a common good, a common goal, and that is we're there in the best interest of students. Even if we have opposing opinions uh, or assumptions about things, I need to come into that conversation with the assumption of good, that you're coming from a good place. And then it's a matter of them imparting some wisdom, wisdom on me so that I have a better understanding of where they're coming from or for myself, to impart wisdom on them so that they understand where I'm coming from. At the end of the day, we may simply agree to disagree, but I always come to the conversation assuming that that person has the best interest of the students or their child at heart. And I, and I think if those three guiding principles um, are, are put into 
to what we do, that, that it's always going to lead us in the right direction. Um, another important one that I think is, is fairly simple, and I think you've heard it before, and that's, uh, you know, the KISS philosophy, you know, the keep it simple, stupid <laughs> kind yeah. type of philosophy. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes when you sit down and you develop strategic plans and mission and vision statements, I think they become cumbersome, problematic documents that are stored upon a shelf. I think it's important to keep them simple um, and, and achievable, oftentimes applying smart goals, uh, things that are attainable. Uh, you know, in, in Ball Chatham, when we developed our, our last strategic plan, it was very simple in terms of our mission and vision, and that was the parents and community make it possible uh, of course, with their children and their tax dollars and their support, the staff make it attainable because without them, we wouldn't be able to provide the high level of instruction that we do. And the most important one is that students make it happen. And, uh, you know, by those three specific bullet points, it really guides us in what we do. And I also think that, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. Uh, you have to, to be able to laugh a little bit, understand that, that we make mistakes um, and, and just simply don't take yourself too seriously. And finally, I think it's important that we as leaders, even though we're in large districts and we have a lot to do uh, and very busy days, get into the classrooms and try not to distance yourself from the reason that we're there because it's about the kids and sometimes when we're having busy days or tough times, sometimes it's a matter of getting into a classroom and seeing the smiles on the faces and all the activities that are going on, knowing that you're leading that organization that's creating those opportunities. Well, I think that's a great point. And it's so it's so hard sometimes, whether you're a whether you're a principal, a superintendent, there's so many things that you have to do that, that just finding the time to get in classrooms can be challenging, but boy, you're, you're right, Doug. I mean, it is so important and it also can change your whole mindset. <laughs> you know, I, I'd often say if I was having a bad day, boy, the first thing I do is go get in the car and go drive to one of our buildings and, and, and my whole day would change. It, you know, you're right. And it, and it has to be purposeful. Sometimes there are times when I simply tell my administrative assistant, that uh, I'm, I'm blocking, I'm, I'm out of the office, I'm in the buildings for these next two hours and I'm not available unless there's an emergency. <laughs> and you simply have to, to, to make it a priority and it has to be purposeful because if you don't, there's always going to find, there's always going to be things that find your attention. And so you just have to shut down and know it's about the kids. Yeah, no, definitely. So let me let me ask you, what is something that uh, in your leadership experience has really been challenging? Something that really stands out to you as one of the toughest challenges you faced, and 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 how did you how did you work through it? You know, I'm sure the responses that that you get in 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 recent times has been COVID, but uh, we've all dealt with that, and and uh, that has certainly been a challenge, but. When I really look back over my career, the most challenging and difficult times has been the death of a student or a staff member. 
And, you know, because it has such an impact on your entire school community and, uh, you know, the circumstances surrounding a death, for example, you know, is it an accident? Is it a suicide? You know, we have to deal with these things and, you know, we have to have sensitivity to the families, the timing of content and information in terms of releasing information, uh, making sure that things are confidential. Uh, you know, it's difficult, particularly with the death of a student in a school community. You want to respect the privacy, certainly of the families and the wishes of the families um, while you're getting inundated with questions surrounding what had happened in those circumstances. And so it can be very tough. Uh, then, then, of course, the caring for the family and the caring for the staff and the other students in the community, you know, working with students and students' families who were close to that particular student or staff member to make sure that um, we're sensitive to their needs and providing counseling and guidance for them. And then moving forward, how do you move forward? Um, and being respectful of how you move forward um, when you're dealing with a death. Those are, those are, those are what I have found most challenging over the years. Well, and I think, you know, to that point, I think that's the kind of thing that most people do not learn in their superintendent preparation programs. And so, you know, unfortunately, um, at one time or another, most will be faced with with dealing with the death of a student or a staff member and um, often are unprepared for it. And I, th I think you make great points about uh, uh, certainly how how important it is to, to deal with it appropriately and with with compassion. Um, definitely important. Um, let's talk a little bit about equity. So equity, both uh, you know, racial, economic, all kinds of equity are, are just so crucial. And we all know that our schools are, are, are not meeting all of our kids' needs. How, what is your experience as a leader of how you've been able to positively impact equity? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, of course, when you, when you receive additional education, whether that's new coursework, workshops, uh, different types of programs, you know, that's always going to, to help you in your experiences. From my perspective, it was a matter of my experience growing up as, as a child and as a young adult and an adult. I grew up in a very diverse community and had experiences uh, developing understanding of, of students who are coming from different backgrounds, uh, different races and ethnicities. And so I was fortunate to have those experiences to develop an understanding. You know, um, I, I think for those who are, and though, particularly those who are not, you know, expand your experiences, make sure that you're getting into your communities and, and, and engaging with students who are coming and families who are coming from different backgrounds and develop an understanding of their experiences. You know, if you don't grow up having different experiences, or challenges that contribute to those experiences, it's difficult to truly have an understanding uh, from reading a textbook or 
participating in a workshop. It's really getting in there and knowing and understanding your students and families. So I think that's key. I think that it's important to develop a support uh, and develop and support a culture that's inviting and respectful. You know, your culture can tell a lot about your willingness to be inclusive and open opportunities to individuals from all backgrounds and experiences. Do they feel welcome? Um, you know, for example, here's one thing that uh, I'll share early on in my career. When I took on a principalship, uh, IEP meetings can be very intimidating for parents. Oftentimes a parent walks into a, to a room full of professional educators and we're there to talk about some of their challenges that their child has. And I walked into a very sterile environment. It was a big, long table where everyone sat around. Uh, there was nothing in the middle. Uh, there was nothing inviting about the entire environment. So it was simple things like bringing in a tray of cookies and having coffee and refreshments available. Um, having, you know, um, the room be inviting and, re and respectful, making sure that introductions are made with a smile on your face. I mean, there's so much that can do, you can do to affect the culture and environment that you're inviting these parents and students into. And then I think finally, I think you need to actively balance your staff. I'm, I'm a huge believer in the fact that um, it's important to have your staff as best as you can reflect a balance of your student population. Um, you know, students of color, it's important for them to see uh, professionals in their environment who are also of color. And, and uh, I just think it sets, again, a different level of, of support and culture an inviting, respectful environment for those students and for those staffs who, who are coming into your buildings. Yeah, definitely. No, I think those are some uh, some some really good points. Let me <clears throat> ask you to look back on 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 your career and if there's one thing that just stands out to you more than any other that you're just really proud of, uh, what is it? You know, there there are a few things, and I'll you know, kind of go through them a little bit here with you. Um, I think maintaining um, the focus on my three guiding principles. And it's an unwavering commitment to working with my students um, or working for my students and, and my teachers. Um, you know, whether I was a teacher, a coach, an administrator, or superintendent, it really was my those guiding principles, uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I didn't adjust those over time and that allowed me to stay on course. Um, I also think the work that I've done to advance uh, STEAM programs for my students and the organizations that I've been, been involved with. And I really do mean that oftentimes you walk into STEM programs, I've really maintained an emphasis for not only science, technology, engineering, and math, but for the arts as well. And uh, really that's been a focal point. And leaving 
the organization in better shape than when I arrived. I think that's key. And I think that's something that all of us want to do. I think that's extremely important. But the most important, and I would say that I'm proud of, is that uh, I've been there for my family. And I think it's important to take stock. It's interesting. I was uh, Courtney Arzell, which many of you may or may not be familiar with. She's the current assistant executive director with IESA. And uh, I had actually had the good fortune of hiring Courtney early in her administrative career as an assistant principal. And since then, she's gone on to do some really great things. And we were at IESA doing a, a simple um, kind of take stock activity. And, and I encourage all administrators to do this because I think it's important. And that was ask those who are most important in your life what they believe is most important to you. And don't preface it with anything. Don't include others. Don't ask them to expound on things. And so I did this activity and I'm sharing this with you because uh, it really put a smile on my face. And I think is what I would like to see the response be for other administrators. And I share that my, my wife, Lori, uh, when I said that to her, I said, you know, what do you feel is the most important thing to me? And she said, well, that's pretty easy. Your family. Uh, my oldest daughter said, uh, I think that's easy to say success and being successful and family, but that's an obvious one. And of course the cats. <laughs> <laughs> My middle daughter said, uh, I think what matters most to you is taking care of your family and making people that you care about proud of you. And my youngest daughter said, I'd say family and future of your family, dad. And, you know, I, that really made me, made me happy because what you don't wanna see at least I believe what you don't want to see is others say that your job is what is most important to you. Um, because we can come become so consumed that we neglect or disregard our family in many instances, because as a leader, particularly a superintendent, so much of our time is consumed with our job that we have to be purposeful and make sure that what's most important to us is our family and they need to know that. I think that's some great insight because, you know, we, we all need to remember that the job, whatever job you're in will eventually come to an end, but you're going to have your family forever. And, and that is so, such good insight. And so, you know, had, as you said, made, had to make you feel very good that your family um, saw that in, in you, which means, you weren't just saying it, but you were really living it. So I, I think that's I think that's a, a great testament. So let me ask you now about um, we've talked a lot about you. Let's talk about um, who's somebody you look to, uh, whether it's somebody you know you knew personally or a, or a, you know a, a more of a, a bigger figure nationally or historical figure that you look to for inspiration as a as a leader. You know, that's a great question, um, but it's a tough one. And, you know, when I look at this, there are going to be several that I can name and go to. Uh, but I really, you know, 
I look at the characteristics and the qualities of certain leaders that I try to emulate or, or uh, have helped me in my decision-making. And, you know, so the qualities I really look, I look for a leader and I respect leaders that are unassuming, you know, that speak softly and carry a big stick, um, you know, mentality. You know, Theodore Roosevelt once said that, uh, you know, that's, that's something that uh, has a great deal of respect and, and aspires to be like. I think uh, although also those that, that give credit and take responsibility. You know, in our line of work, we often receive accolades for things that we're not directly responsible for. We may lead. And I think it's important to give credit to, to those who really, uh, the boots on the ground. But I also think it's important to take responsibility uh, in times that are tough, even in situations that might not go so well. Uh, you'll garner a great deal of respect. You know, the, the praise in public and criticize in, in private type kind of leadership. Um, those that don't allow, you know, titles or letters behind their name or medals pinned to their jackets to determine the way that they treat others. I think that's critical. And I respect leaders that are principled and act accordingly. You know, uh, I have a great deal of respect. I do, I'm a, you know, a historian buff. Uh, the founding fathers, you know, what, what they contend with uh, during the, the, you know, the, the founding years and foundation of this country. You know, it's easy to go through, you know, Abe Lincoln, of course, carried a nation uh, during, you know, when it was on the brink. Um, Sandra Day O'Connor, you know, the first female justice Supreme Court. I mean, you know, Ben Carson, Winston Churchill, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, many of these are just leaders that uh, I think are founding leaders, people that initially um, whether that be the first Supreme Court justice or the first secretary of state. Um, you know, I look towards those because those, you know, they, they, they charted un, uncharted territory. And so I, I try to read up and brush up as best I can and emulate what they do to the best of my ability. Uh, I really, uh, Doug, really want to thank you. We've been talking with, you know, Doug Wood, the now retiring superintendent in Ball Chatham. I uh, really want to thank you for all of the insights, but also for all your years of service and educational leadership and as a, as a superintendent here in Illinois. And we wish you the best in retirement. Well, thank you so much, John. And I just want to thank you and Luda, of course, for all the support over the years. And it's a great organization that uh, I'll continue to support. 